0: We are going to dismiss the, the youth, the kids, to their classes at this time.
1: Quickly, if I could get Katie up here too and Andrew. We're actually starting a five through seven class this morning, a grade five through seven class this morning. So you're, if you're in those grades, follow these wonderful people. Katie, thank you so much, appreciate it. Anything that you need to say before we go? Just follow them if you're in grades five through seven. Thank you so much. You can keep the shaking howdy time, keep it going. Say hi to one another. Feel free. I forgot my cell phone, which has more of the announcements on it, so I apologize. As Pastor C. said yesterday, or this is yesterday, this morning, uh, earlier, breakfast next week for Easter. We're excited about that. Yeah. That's so why... Pastor Steve has reminded me, feel free to keep greeting each other. Walk around, stand up, move around. That's what he wants to do. That's what I want to do. All right, we'll invite you to come on back as you're able. My name is Josh Grover. I I help out once once in a while on Sundays. And and help out with announcements and offertory. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Just a few more announcements that we want to share this morning. Uh, Again, next Sunday, we have the breakfast put on by the gentleman. We're excited about that, 9 to 9.30. Feel free to come. Love to see you. Hopefully we're all set up by then. We're not going to mention the S word anymore um, because of... Yeah, yeah, we'll stop that. Uh, But a couple other things we wanted to mention. Today, communion once again. We'll be celebrating communion this morning, honoring that, and going through the communion process. We invite anybody who's a believer to... Visitors, anybody who's here this morning um, and believes in Jesus Christ and what he's done and what he's going to do this week, what we're going to honor this week, we invite you to partake as well. So please join us. Uh, A couple other announcements. Um, Bob caught me this morning. He He and Julie are right now working on lunch for us today. They're going to go right from lunch today, go downtown, and prepare food at the bridge this afternoon. Around 2 to 2.30, they're gonna be feeding the homeless, some people in the building, things like that. If you are able to and willing to or feel led to go help them downtown, they're asking for that, so please feel, you know, pray about that. Is that something you can do this afternoon? That'd be great. Even more, more so kind of immediate need, because they're serving us lunch here, they're not going to have any time to help clean up afterwards so we're going to need a little bit extra help cleaning up after food today so if you feel like you could stick around and help us out that'd be fantastic um, otherwise we have our normal announcements and there's a couple of others in there too so feel free to make sure if you're part of the email list check that out if not check social media um, talks about next sunday let's see what else i'm going to do the let's see wednesday night uh, wednesday night, Make sure you take part in that if you're one of our youth. We also have the Adults Group Kids activities, 6 p.m., 9 a.m. Don't miss Touchpoint with Pastor Stephen Joyce. Upcoming events, we have Men's Prayer Breakfast Saturday, April 1st um, at the Beltrami Electric Conference Room. Yes, that was yesterday. Man, these announcements, i got to go backwards. Thank you. appreciate it. I'm just reading off. You just give me anything. I'm like a teleprompter. It's just going to go through. So... <clears throat> All right, let's see. What else can I do that's in the future? We talked about Easter breakfast. Oh, Freedom Rally. That is on Tuesday. That is on Tuesday. Watch for the weather. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much. Check that out. $30 per person. Check out all the resources. I believe there's some signage up and things like that, but that is down in the cities, I believe. Um, And check that out up in the Capitol Rotunda. Um, we're also, again, a reminder of the, the uh, individual that's coming from Singapore. We want some help. There might be some uh, avenues where you might be able to help this young lady. She's working to be a doctor here in town. We, um, we need one or more people that can help out with arriving um, with uh, anything that she can be helping, needs for like, uh, I believe she needs, still needs a st- place to stay, maybe, but somebody could help her out with driving, get her some practice, get her maybe a vehicle. And anything that could be helped, uh, anything that could help us there, that would be fantastic. She plans to arrive the week of April 11th. If you can help, contact Vicki. Her number's in the announcements. Other than that, I think that's the majority of the announcements. Please feel free to check those out when you have a moment against social media or the email list if you're on that. Um, I'm going to slow down my brain a little bit and dive into the word. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians, please? we're actually going to jump into 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to start at verse 27. I'm kind of deviating from my plans, which is probably appropriate because I should be following God's plan and (laughs) listening to what he's got to say. So in my own devotions over the last two to three weeks, I've just keep flashing back into some of my favorite passages in the Bible and what Paul was talking to the Corinthians about. And, And again, going through... Um, my devotions, understanding that God is so much more concerned about my heart and where it is at than the things that I do. And hopefully the things that I do are based on the heart that I have, you know? And, And so let's start at verse 27. Let's read together. I'll read out loud. Now you are the body of Christ. Now Paul is talking about unifying the church, making sure that there's no division, really kind of acting preventatively to keep things from falling apart and reacting as well. And each of you has a part in it. And in the church of God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Here's the questions he's asking Well, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. All right? So he's, he's saying those are all important. Those are all pieces. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has something to share. Everything in the body of Christ, there's an equally important parts. And maybe there are some more important parts. But you know what? He's going to the next part. And this is probably the, just hit me like a ton of bricks. And now I shall show you the most excellent way. He's about ready to really drop the bomb on everybody. It's incredible. If I speak, going to chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only. A resounding gong or a clanging cymbal." Sounding familiar now, right? Getting into parts we're probably a little bit more familiar with. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I can gain nothing. You don't have to raise your hand, but feel free to. How many of you have the King James version in front of you right now? Or read from that. From yep, yep. What does it say, Kent? Charity, right? It doesn't say love in that version, does it? It says charity, right? That's kind of got me going on tithe and offering, right? But then, is that really what it was? Is that really what it was? So, I even dove further into the text, right? Well, what it says isn't even charity. When the original translators of the text tried to figure out what the word agape was, that was the only word they had available to them in their heads, charity, charity, charity. This is kind of what they could encapsulate into what agape meant in the Greek, right? In the Greek, we have the agape, we have the filio, and we have the eros, romance, brotherly love, and then, of course, this other kind of love, agape. We're about ready to remind ourselves of what agape love really is in the next week. We should be remembering these each moment of our day. The sacrifice that God had put on earth, the Jesus on the cross. That's just a taste of the agape love that he has. Agape love is almost indescribable. But when you look and you try to find different definitions, Wikipedia, encyclopedias, People try to say that, you know, it's that love that God has. But how do you describe that? And that's what Paul's trying to say here is we are charged with doing our very best to represent God with agape love. And he describes it in the following. So think about the word love, not in love, because love is a feeling. Love goes in and out. Agape is truth. Agape is what really has to happen. So think about that going to verse 4 agape love is patient it is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it is not rude it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered it keeps no record of wrong agape love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres agape love never fails but where there are prophecies there they will cease where there are tongues they will be still where there is knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when we in perfection comes the imperfect imperfect disappears do you see what happens there all this matters all of that stuff does matter but when the perfect love of agape love gets here none of it does because he the truth It's just amazing. If you read into it, completely dive into this even more, it it becomes more deep and you understand what's about to fall upon us and the king is going to be here. Jesus will be here. The kingdom will be here and the perfection will be here. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection is in a mirror then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is agape love. And where we bring this back to offering or tithing is it again, Paul speaking for God, inspired, talking about what's important. It's more concerned about your heart, And the acts that you do, and making sure that it is out of selfless agape love. So, this morning, as we think about what we do, what we give, you think about Bob and Julie right now getting ready in the kitchen, preparing a meal, not only right now, but they're going to prepare a meal in town for those that need it, right? And they're doing it selflessly, right? And that's an example of each and every one of you. I've seen it here in church, you're amazing. Every one of us has that ability to give without being selfish and without any expectation of anything in return. So let's bow our heads this morning. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to give freely, to practice, to practice the art of agape love, knowing that true agape love comes from the Father. And Father, we thank you for these glorious opportunities that you've given us, you've given me personally, to share share my gifts. We thank you for Kent and his gifts, his family, this morning. We just pray over this offering this morning and that uh, you'll glorify every, glorify it every way, shape, and form so that you can be glorified, Father, so that you can be, uh, have an opportunity to share your agape love to each and every person here and elsewhere in your amazing, immaculate name. Amen. Thank you. Kent.
0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Good to be back again. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for invitation. They must not have said don't have him back again. Huh? So, good, good. Hey, Peter, good job, buddy. <laughs> you too, Linnea. I mean, <laughs> congratulations. Wow. Did you heed my warning? did Did you behave during labor and all that? No? He's... I'm asking the wrong person. Linnea, did he behave himself? Yes. Okay, good. So you loved her just as she was, right, at the moment? Um, We opened with Jesus coming into Jerusalem, a triumph and entry for the last time he would come into that city. Um, I want to just touch on three more points before we take communion, partake in communion today. I want to go to the next scripture that we have, John 13, verse 1. And I took all of these out of the New Living Translation this time, in case you're wondering. But if we could put that up, John 13, uh, verse 1 through 17. um, This was the transition into the upper room. And when he met with his disciples, so it would have kind of been on Thursday of that week. It says... Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he would come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you don't belong or you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. This is probably um, one of the most amazing demonstrations of being a servant to each other that Jesus could have given us. Did any of you go to the movie The Revolution? Anybody see that movie in theaters? Do you remember the complaint of one of the deacons or elders or leaders in the church? He said, you're letting these hippies into our church and their feet are dirty. They're getting our carpet dirty. You remember that? And he didn't argue with them. He didn't um, try to pick a fight with them. But the next scene that you see in the movie is this pastor on his knees and he's washing the feet of these hippies that were dirty. And they came in. You can't prove God's love by arguing, by bickering, by saying, I'm right and you're wrong. But it's kind of hard to argue with a demonstration of that nature, isn't it? In the movie, there was a couple um, of the guys that got up and left the church, a couple of the leaders just couldn't handle it. They had forgotten what church was all about. Yeah, church is a place where we come together as believers and we, we can worship, but those doors need to be open to everybody with dirty feet. And our job is to love that dirt off their feet, not to criticize or condemn or or try to guilt them or shame them. Jesus said, I did this as an example. I was part of a foot washing one time, only once. It's probably sad that it's only happened once in my life. I, it was such a heart-wrenching experience waiting in that line. But there was just, when that person started washing my feet, I, I wept. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel. Because we don't do that for each other. It's all about me, usually. Come on, right, Church. How many of you like to be comfortable? All right, the rest of you are liars that didn't raise your hands. We like comfort, right? Who would rather be served than serve? Come on, once again, don't lie to me now. Our old nature wants to be served. It wants to be pampered. It wants to be treated in this way. That's why so many marriages fall apart. Relationships fall apart because it's all about me. I like Joyce Myers. Remember her? Twenty years ago, thirty years ago, she goes, "What about me? What about me? What about me?" It was. She said her heart was so filled with self that she couldn't see her own faults, her own weaknesses. And once that transition took place in her life where she began to look at people with that love, that agape love of servanthood, that it all started to fall away and she began to see, wow, I'm the one who needs to change, not my husband, not my kids, I need to change. Now, that doesn't mean you don't need to change something, okay? I'm just not letting you off the hook completely. But Bill Gaither wrote a song a long time ago. He's still working on me. Remember that one? To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. Because he's still working on me. I remember about four years ago, our little boy, Mason, that um, he was born healthy. He's 12 now, right? He was a healthy little boy when he was born. And his biological mom had been out all night, came home. She was so stoned and drunk that she didn't even realize she had the baby He was maybe three months old, something like that, in bed with her. She rolled over on him and suffocated him. And now he's in a wheelchair all the time. He doesn't run, he doesn't play, he doesn't have a favorite color, he doesn't know what a truck is or a ball. He doesn't know what any of those things are. And there was about, it must have been five years ago because I was changing his diaper one morning and I started doing what I like to do, and that's complain. God, I'm tired of changing these butts. You know? And you know what the Holy Spirit whispered to me, Pastor Steve? He just kindly said, Kent, what were you doing when you were seven? And all of a sudden I didn't see him as a pain in the butt, as a burden. And I just said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I remember finished cleaning him up and I hugged him, told him I loved him. That's what Jesus was doing, washing those feet taking care of those around us. You know what I'd like to see, guys? Should I offer to wash your wife's feet? She won't even pick up my dirty underwear off the floor and put them in the hamper. Why would I wash her feet, right? (laughs) We've gotten Mentality of being served. We're pampered in America. The next scripture is going to take us from the upper room where Jesus served. And it's going to take us to the Garden of Gethsemane. Could you uh, put that one up? Mark 14 says, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, and that's translated Daddy. Daddy. There's no more intimate way that a kid can cry out. They say, Daddy. He was broken. He was troubled it said to the point of death and he cried out everything is possible for you please take this cup of suffering away from me yet i want your will to be done not mine then he returned and found the disciples asleep and he said to peter simon are you asleep couldn't you even watch with me even one hour keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to the temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before and when he returned to them again he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say and then he returned to them the third time and said go ahead and sleep have your rest but know the time has come The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. I remember uh, an old song growing up. It was called Go to Dark Gethsemane. Gethsemane is the point of decision making in our lives. Will we surrender or will we do it our way? I truly believe in the depths of my heart that the United States of America is in Gethsemane right now. I want you to think about our country today and where we have gone in our hearts, in our minds, in our wishes, our desires, our wants. Once again, How many of you would like to be comfortable? Anyone? Right? But Jesus was not comfortable in Gethsemane. In fact, he said he was crushed in his spirit. Uh, I believe the Gospel of Matthew said that he prayed so earnestly that drops of blood mingled with his sweat. And there's actually a medical condition that will affirm that as a truth that you can be so stressed that blood vessels will burst and you will sweat drops of blood he was so burdened by what was about to take place because you have to remember here's God's son he came into the world as a miracle right a virgin birth that didn't happen too often So this was a precedent that was set. Son of man, because he came through Mary, but son of God, because the seed came from the Father through the Holy Spirit. And so here is a man that never knew the consequences of sin to this point. Never knew it. How many of you have felt guilty when you did something stupid? You know? How many times have we done the same foolish thing over and over, expecting a different result? And it doesn't change because that's the definition of of ignorance. But yet, somehow, we continue to function and go on. Jesus had not experienced that in his life. And now he is at a point where he knows that the Father is going to take every sin of every man, every woman, every child, and that Jesus was going to bear them. He knows that he will take that sin upon himself on that cross the next day. And that's why he pleaded, Father, if there's any way, any way that this can pass, if there's any other way we can work this thing out called salvation, Let's do it that way. Because I believe the son of Man side of him was realizing the burden of sin. And yet the son of God said, not my will, but yours be done. Many of us today who are sitting here right now and listening online are at a Gethsemane in our life. And if you're not there yet, you're going to be soon because the United States is going to be put in a vice real soon. And we are going to be crushed like we have never been seen before. And we won't be able to hide in our church buildings any longer. We won't be able to hide behind a symbol or some sort of banner. We're going to have to be behind... The cross, the blood-stained cross of our Savior. I hate to say this because, as I said earlier, I like to be comfortable. I don't want trouble. But we are seeing alliances forming around the world right now like we have never seen before. China and Russia and Iraq and Iran and North Korea. There are missiles pointed at us, ladies and gentlemen. And we're no longer the big guy on the block that we used to be. But I also have to believe that prophetically, Jesus, our Father, is bringing this to a conclusion on this earth. We've been hearing about the end coming for a long time, but guess what? We have to be a day closer now than we were. It's coming. The things that were prophesied in Scripture: one world government, one world uh, finance. You know, where we no longer will have the dollar. Are you pretty comfortable with the dollars you have in your closet right now, or the dollars that are in your savings account? I'm not. Because tomorrow morning they could tell me, Dan, they're worth nothing. Or you can trade them in for 10% or 5% or maybe nothing. I don't know. All the technology we have is wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it nice that we can just scan our food and we can scan this and buy things online with your phone. You scan, 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 scan. Well, there's going to be a mark in our hands in order to buy. Can you imagine how practical and how much sense that makes? Let's put a chip in your hand. You don't have to worry about being mugged because you have no cash anymore, right? Makes sense. You don't have to worry about losing your credit card. It's in your hand. When you go through Walmart, you go, boop. It's got all your information, all your bank accounts, your social security. It's got everything about you, It'll probably even say if you're one of those crazy rebel Christians. But hopefully we won't be taking that mark. Hopefully we're aware of what Revelation says. You know, sometimes I think, should we say stuff that makes us uncomfortable? but I think we have to be stirred a little bit as a country. We have to be recognizing that it's not always going to be candy canes and popcorn and cotton candy in the church. There are places, Adam, right, where there's persecution. There's places where Christians are dying for their faith. Someone asked me once when I was a chaplain in Bemidji. They asked me, do you think if someone put a gun to your head and said, you either renounce the Lord or I'm going to shoot you? Do you think you would stand in your faith? And I thought about it quite a while. And then I answered this person. I said, if I'm not willing to live for him today, when there is no gun, I certainly won't die for him tomorrow when there is a gun at my head. We're in Gethsemane, and you might be there in your personal life right now. Maybe your marriage is troubled. Maybe you're having problems at work. Whatever it might be, whatever your circumstances are, God may have you in a place where you feel like you're being squeezed. You ever feel that? Where you just feel like you're being squeezed. But he's looking for a decision from you. I know my wife and I have walked through some Gethsemanes in this past few years. And there's been times when I have fought and kicked and screamed and threw a fit. And I tried to get out of Gethsemane. I'm out of here. I found out it's a bigger place than I thought. And that my father loved me enough to keep me there till I make a decision. We've been presented with a big decision we have to make right now in our life. Tom I just want to be comfortable can't I and seriously that's what I said to her I just want to be I'm getting old right isn't that a good excuse I mean look at this hair all the Grecian is gone don't laugh Scott yours is pretty close that's a good excuse, isn't it? I'm old, you know, I'm tired. I've done enough. I've carried enough. I've walked enough, but God just loves me enough to just, you Well, know, you're going to stay there. Make a decision. And you know what he's looking for? Not my will, but yours. The next scripture from Matthew 27. Along the way they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And the soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldier gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself. Come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teacher of the religious law and elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I know there's different um, thoughts about what happened at that moment. But I believe... At that moment, Jesus took the sin of the world. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians that he became sin for us while he was on the cross. Now think about that. This pure, perfect Lamb of God took every sin that I have ever committed, you've ever committed, and he bore them And I picture the father turning away because there's, if we're not a believer in Christ, the day will come if we die, there will be no rejoicing at that moment. There will be no gladness in heaven. Good for you, you know. You were a murderer, you were this, you were a liar, you were a cheater, you were an adulterer. You know, we're all those things in our heart. But there will be no joy in heaven when that person is cast into darkness. There's a brokenness. Our Father longs that all would be saved. Right? Everyone. But when he looked away from his son, Jesus had to experience for us what it felt like to go through being condemned. And when he did die, he took that sin and death. He took it down to hell and the grave and he took the keys. And when Satan thought he had won, How many of you are old enough to remember that song? Anybody remember Carmen, first of all? There's a few old Duffers in here. But he had a song called The Champion, where Jesus and Satan were fighting, and the devil struck that final blow. And it said, Jesus put his hands down. And he took that blow. But then he said the referee started counting. 10, 9. You remember that? Whew. And Satan goes, Stop it, you're counting the wrong way. 8, 7, 6. No, no, and Jesus' hands started to move. And when he got to one, he said, He has won. He's alive. He didn't just die, he paid the price and he rose again to give us hope. I don't know what's coming in our country in the next few months I don't know you want to know what my heart really hopes I hope I'm wrong because once again back to point number one I like to be comfortable but if I'm not comfortable I need to know deep in here that he has won He is real, that he is God. The last scripture is from Mark 14. It says, they were eating. Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. Now, this was back in the upper room before Gethsemane. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. A few years ago, there's a country singer that, I think she was raised in the church, wasn't she? Hillary Scott. But she went through... Um, a trying time she had uh, miscarriage and often it's tragedy that brings us to the point of Gethsemane brings us back to that place of decision of deciding so before we partake in communion this morning I want us to listen to this song cued up on the video. And while we're listening to it, I don't want you just to go, that sounds nice and that really good words, but let's make sure that these are our words back to the Father as well. Do you have that up? Those are hard words when you really think about them. I know I've wrestled with those four words a lot in the last few years. Today, we have a privilege of sharing in the very intimate moment that God had with his disciples. And he just said, do this in remembrance of me want us just to bow our head and pray, and then we'll take a moment to partake together. Heavenly Fathers, that song said, I know you see me, I know you hear me. If there's anybody here that's felt invisible and lost in a big world that seems to not care, Know that your Father in heaven cares for you and he sees you and he hears you and he knows your pain today. If there's anyone in this room or watching online this morning that's not sure where you stand, all you have to do is say, Lord, thy will be done. Forgive me. Come into my heart. That's that simple trust and believe so Lord we thank you and may that be our focus in the next few days thy will be done in Jesus name is that on the bottom you have your communion on the bottom is the cracker, the bread. So he said he, he took bread and he broke it. And as you partake of this, just remember this represents that broken part of God that he poured out for you. And let's bring that brokenness back to him today. And as we partake together, let's just say, Lord, thy will be done in our life. Thank you, Lord. When they had finished eating, he said he took a cup and blessed it and said, this cup represents the New Testament, my blood to shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Lord, we pray right now for your will in our lives, in our families, in our community, and in our country. Lord Jesus, bring. Bring a fresh revival, a renewing, a revolution, whatever we want to call it. But let it start with us, Lord. Let it start in our heart now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anything I've forgotten? We're going to have prayer teams up here at the altar. So if you want prayer, if you're struggling, if you're in that place of Gethsemane today and you felt your heels dig in a little bit, don't leave here with that. Please come forward. Just pray together. If you're sick, come and get prayer. I love you guys. Appreciate you all so much. There's a meal, so please join us for dinner. Amen. Thank you.
2: Are these tears in vain. I don't want to live in fear. I want to trust that you are near. Trust your grace can be seen in both triumph and tragedy. My face feels thin Like the night will when-